Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. I hope one of the better financial decisions you make is to save for your future. We have our investing guide at Clark.com to walk you through basic strategies, basic ones, about how to do just that. Now, that is not a stinky thing. It's great when you save for your future, but there are times that I stink, and that's why we have the Clark Stink segment. And also the Clark Stinks post where you go to Clark.com slash Clark Stinks to post where you feel like I was incomplete, inaccurate, or just plain dumb. And also in this episode, you may or may not know that I love NFL football. So having artificial turf in my yard, I mean, it makes me feel like I'm at the game, right? <laughs> Well, actually, I don't have artificial turf, but lots of Americans are choosing artificial turf for their lawns. I want to talk about the pros and cons of doing just this. But right now, it is time for Clark Stinks. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. Before you start, I've done a terrible job. I never say, and Krista is here it's to okay. share the Clark Stinks with you. It's okay. And so I'd rather be anonymous when I'm reading the Clark Stinks if people don't think I'm mean reading them. People <laughs> do post that you're the meanie for reading them, but I actually love this because how do you grow as a person? How do right. you learn? We tend to get stuck in our habits. And so I know we've had a lot of posts from people saying, I hate Clark Stinks. I hate for people to say mean things about Clark. No, that's not the, the purpose thing, of this. It is the most listened to segment of the week. Is so. it really? Mm -hmm. okay. okay, let's get going on it. Hey, Clark, I'm driving, listening to your podcast and thought I ran over a skunk as I'm listening to your answer to use a debit card to get 1% cash back from the credit union. I can't believe you recommended that. Why couldn't they use a 2% cash back credit card with full protection instead of a debit card with no protection to get a measly 1% back? Michael in Kentucky, who represents several people that wrote in. Okay. So I haven't lost my mind. Promise I've not lost my mind. Longstanding position. Debit cards are dangerous. 
They directly attack your checking account. You don't have the protections you do with a credit card. I don't care what somebody at customer no service tells you at a bank or even a credit union. You do not have the same protections with a debit card you have with a credit card. That's why I want you to use a credit card. And the rewards are so much more rewarding with a credit card than with a debit card. However, there are people who know they can't handle a credit card, that they will spend money they don't have. And often that's the background where someone wants to use a debit card instead of a credit card, even full well knowing they don't have the protections with it they have with a credit card. And so you can get 1% back on that debit card better than nothing back on the debit card. Thanks for your terrific tip, but for planners, getting euros ahead of time can be an opportunist dream. Buying currency ahead of time is not always a rip-off. As a global traveler, I track currencies in an attempt to plan ahead. Recently, the U.S. dollar reached parity with the euro, and the British pound dipped as well. The euro rate has not dipped this low in 20 years. I'm going to Italy in December and Ireland and London in June 2023 and purchased 1,000 euros and 1,000 British pounds. I will typically get pocket chains prior to my trips abroad for AAA. If you exchange more than $300 in currency through AAA, there is no additional exchange fee, but they do charge an approximately 5% premium. And that's from Joe. So Joe, thank you. Uh, So much interest in this, especially with the euro. The US dollar is intensely strong right now, and nobody knows how long it will last. Uh, It is having serious negative economic effects for other countries in the world and actually is part of what will help us in our battle with inflation and so it is a very unusual time you figure the euro used to be about dollar 60 gosh i remember when the british pound was worth five dollars 20 cents now it's worth a dollar 20 or something euro down about parity so these are unusual times and currencies do swing significantly over the years. So it's possible they'll go down more versus the dollar, and then it won't have been so great to have bought. But based on historical numbers, having, if you're a regular international traveler, having these currencies that are so weak against the dollar, buying them now, if you can buy them efficiently, is a potential way to save money on your trip. I had looked into leasing an electric vehicle. What changed my mind in doing so is the fact that the manufacturer is the one who gets the tax incentive from the government and not the leasee. The manufacturer has the option of passing on the $7,500 to the buyer, but there are only a few that do. Another issue to think about is that there are no tax incentives for buying used EVs. This automatically depreciates the value of the car by $7,500. Keep up the great work, Adam in Florida. Adam, thank you. And, you know, I know there was a good public policy reason for having these electric vehicle tax credits when electric vehicles were a fledgling thing and the batteries were unbelievably expensive compared to putting a gas engine and transmission into a vehicle. I think we're past that now. And I think the tax credits only inflate the selling price of a vehicle that then it's discounted from And it creates market distortions. Companies that have done a good job selling electric vehicles, their buyers aren't eligible for them. The companies that are Johnny-come-latelys, their buyers get the credits. It's just so, so unhealthy if you believe in the free market system. So I just wish these credits would go away. And the issue of 
it deflating the value of electric vehicles used, completely true as well. Okay. 15 years ago, I worked in a nonprofit church job. I was broke and burnt out after working 10 years in that career. I did not have any money to go back to school to learn a new skill. You said do a grunt job and get your foot in the door and the company will trust you and train you for a better job. I had no idea how to break into the corporate world. I took a file clerk job to get my foot in the door at a law firm. I worked my way up to paralegal. I tripled my salary. Okay, everything went as planned. So why does Clark stink? Now I work for attorneys every day. LOL, Angela. Okay, that is so funny. I had to funny. throw that in. <laughs> I was trying to figure out where the stink was because it actually worked for her. It did. Congrats, Angela. That's, That's awesome. Great. A rare collector's item, double stinker. Might I suggest that Clark's recent discussion on Powerball and the lottery be retitled Power Bowl? First, he recommended a lottery winner take what he called the allowance rather than the lump sum. An allowance is what your mommy gives you to buy an ice cream cone. Lottery installment payments are not an allowance, but wait for it, an annuity. So Clark is now recommending annuities in the next foul breath. Clark suggested he would simply hand over his lottery ticket to charity. Under the IRS's assignment of income doctrine, taxes on lottery income are attributable to the recipient. An individual directly donating a winning lottery ticket would be assigned the income and then owe potentially millions in federal and state taxes with no money to pay because they gave the ticket away, Jim. Oh, Jim, I've thought this one through. So what happens, the winner of the lottery is the one who turns the ticket in. So you have the winning numbers. You just anonymously give that ticket to the charity, and they are the ones that are the winner, so that you are never assigned the income. And what, what he's talking about is that if you give away 100% of, of the income you receive, you still owe an enormous amount of tax. You don't get to deduct away all that. And that's why you never actually claim the winning ticket. I, I See, I daydreamed about all this. It was so funny, Krista, since I don't even never buy a lot of tickets. No. Hi, Clark. You don't stink, but definitely miss a point when you do not warn your audience of the biggest risk of working from home. If someone can work remotely 100% of the time, what keeps an employer from outsourcing their job to other countries when it costs a quarter or even one-tenth of the labor here in the U.S.? Employees who refuse to return to work in an office setup are just sitting ducks. Pawan. <sighs> it's possible. I mean, that is completely possible. There are job categories where that could certainly happen. I, I think of several in my head right now. I don't want to name them to cause paranoia in people working remotely. But yes, that is a, that is a valid risk. Um, is it more of a risk than we already had with jobs being outsourced that people had in a physical office they were reporting to every day? Probably yes, because employers have adjusted so much more to how to have a business work with people working remotely. So far, knock on, this is not wood, whatever this is. Formica? I don't know what this is. It's definitely not real wood. It's from Ikea. (laughs) From uh, knock on Ikea. Okay. Uh, Hopefully that will not happen in the numbers it used to because the psychology of the country seems to have turned away from the kind of wholesale offshoring of jobs. It was so much a part of the corporate mentality for the last 30 years. 
On a recent episode, you talked about where to shop and how to shop and advised to stock up on non-perishables when they are on sale. However, what about stocking up on perishables when they're on sale and more specifically meats? How you ask? By using a vacuum sealer food saver. I've been using one for years and vacuum seal both raw meats when I cannot cook it at all and cooked meats when I'm able to cook a large quantity. In my freezer, I have raw and cooked chicken, raw pork chops, and raw steak all purchased on sale from the grocery store or in bulk from Costco. There's an initial cost for the food saver, but it should pay for itself relatively quickly with use. I purchased the plastic rolls used to make bags on either Amazon or Costco. My neighbor even borrowed my sealer to save leftover Brunswick stew from his daughter's wedding. I had some, and it was great again. Steve. Steve, thank you. Appreciate the suggestion. Um, Somebody made that suggestion a few years ago about the vacuum sealer is a way to preserve food. Do you ever do anything like I that? I haven't, but we probably should. I think it is a great idea. I appreciate that very much as a suggestion, as a way to stretch every dollar and buy the perishable items as well. So you think about um, everything for me is a football analogy. You think about you're trying to get that, that person to get the first down, right? Not necessarily the touchdown. And if people aren't doing things to save money that are the easy ways to do it, that's the first step. That's the first down. And then the long drive is doing things more like this. I am so ready for the season to start. (laughs) You are. Anyway, uh, so it is a continuum of knowledge and strategies and implementation of those strategies that leads to you living on substantially less than what you make, which is, for many of us, the ultimate goal. Now, one of the ways that we spend a lot of money at our house is taking care of outside of the house. I'm going to talk about one strategy growing so much in popularity to cut down the cost of the outside maintenance straight ahead. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Many, many years ago, probably 15 years ago, my middle brother, Neil, uh, he and his wife at their then home installed fake grass in their yard. And I mean, that was really pioneering that long ago. And truth is, it didn't much look like grass that you'd plant. They had a tree-shaded lawn And regular grass just didn't want to grow there. There was so much of a problem getting real grass to grow. So they finally said, forget it, and put in the fake grass. Well, it turns out now that my brother and his wife were pioneers in something that is now booming. In fact, uh, Bloomberg reported that Google has it on their list of the fastest growing searches worldwide putting in artificial grass at your yard. Uh, It's become such a thing because of the extreme drought conditions that so many places, not just in the United States, 
but around the world are suffering from. That uh, taking care of a lawn uses massive amounts of water. And I will tell you, over the years when I've talked about the artificial grass, a lot of people have gotten really, really agitated with me about it. Uh, But it is something that has potential tremendous benefits for society. I think about Las Vegas, where people receive a payment from the water district for tearing up real grass in their yard because the Vegas metro area, as we have talked about, has such a severe issue with water supply and getting people to go back to desertscape or put in the artificial grass eliminates the use of all that water for watering a lawn. And I've noticed more and more, even in areas that have adequate supplies of rainfall each year, that people are putting in artificial grass. And where we live in Florida part-time, I would say that about, oh, 20% of the lawns in our neighborhood are now artificial. If you go back five years ago, there was one house in the whole neighborhood that I knew of that had artificial grass. And now one after another, after another, after another are putting in the artificial turf because now the manufacturers, the designers have learned to make it look like a lot of the products look like actual real grass lawns. They'll even put in fake weeds in it so that it looks like a, a real yard. It doesn't look so uniform anymore. It doesn't look like a putting green anymore. So this isn't for everybody. It may not be for you, but this is in part a decent solution to the cost of maintaining a traditional yard. And I know that before I had somebody upset with me because what it does to people who earn their living, mowing lawns, there's, don't worry, there'll still be plenty of people who want to have a traditional real yard with real grass instead of one with the artificial stuff. There'll be plenty of business to go around. But this is a steady movement, again, not just in parts of the United States. This is all over the world that people are migrating their lawns to the artificial turf. Krista? I wish we had done it. Okay, this first one's from Mike in California. On a recent trip through LA, the Los Angeles airport, I made a food purchase and received a 3% employee health and wellness charge on my bill. I did not see this charge advertised on the menu, but it may have been in tiny print. Is it legal for a restaurant to charge erroneous fees like this on the bill? Although it's small, I feel the precedent of restaurants and retail stores being able to include random fees on the bill could have terrible consequences. Why not just raise the cost of food? What are your thoughts on this, Clark? So this is something people really got fired up about. Anytime a gotcha fee comes along and it's happening all through American business and it really started with our nation's airlines. They're the ones that really gave us the whole junk fee thing and unbundling everything and having a gotcha for this, that, and the other. And then the whole travel industry followed that. And now it's infesting everything else. And then Verizon recently increased a made-up fee 
so they could raise rates on people without raising the cost of their calling plans. And by the way, Verizon reported terrible subscriber numbers recently. I wonder if putting through a sneaky, ugly increase had anything to do with that, but I digress. Just the other, um, like I think a week ago, we had someone who had a privilege fee. We should keep track of all these all different the names titles of the they fees. Use. It's all just extra fees to counteract and inflation, right? And having right, right, right. Employees. So businesses are getting pinched, labor costs, everything else. And so a health and wellness charge that may be, if you asked them and somebody actually knew it may be for providing health coverage to the employees, who knows, but you're right. It should be baked into the cost of the items that they make for you in a restaurant and serve you. It should not be a gotcha when you get your bill. And it's happening all over in all different ways. So I don't know if I mentioned that there are hotels now starting to charge room damage fees, that when you check in, one of the things that you're signing that you're agreeing to is they're charging you a fee for whatever damage you might cause the hotel room, and it's just added right into your hotel bill is one of the things besides you know state taxes, local taxes, convention fee, blah, blah, blah fee, breathing fee. And now there are hotels charging you to use a Shays Lounge at their swimming pool. I mean, all these things. So... Americans seem to only look for the top line figure and not look at all the other things that are terms and conditions of staying somewhere or doing something. The restaurant meal thing to me is probably worse than a lot of these other things because at least a lot of times they're disclosed to you as you go through the process. You want to pay to check a bag? Yes. You want to pay for a carry-on? Yes. You want to pay for a better seat? Yes. You want to pay for your seat assignment? Yes. Whatever it is. Uh, You want to pay to board early? Yes. Uh, You know, all those things. And you have to choose. Yes, I'll pay for this. Yes, I'll pay for that. But nobody asked you, did you want to pay for the employee health and wellness, the extra 3%? So disclosure is key and choice is central with junk fees. By the way, why is Verizon taking on the chin? Nobody was given a choice if they wanted to pay this new huge junk fee added into their cell phone bill every month. Remember that, Verizon. This is from Eric in Florida. I'm interested in buying a used car for my minor son who's about to test for his driver's license. I noticed that you have an article about purchasing a former fleet vehicle from a car rental company. The article was written in 2021. Would you revise that advice given the current state of the used vehicle market? (sighs) Okay. So buying from the car rental agencies right now is doubly hazardous because the car rental companies liquidated their fleets, huge numbers of hundreds of thousands, maybe it crossed in the millions of vehicles back during the spring of 20, when basically everything in travel shut down for months with COVID and they needed money just to keep the doors open. Wasn't even enough for hers. They went bankrupt and had to reorganize, and so they didn't have their fleets, and then they couldn't get new vehicles when the people were like traveling again. They're like, what are we going to do for vehicles? So they went in and bought very old used cars, car rental fleets. I get in car rentals now that are in terrible condition, terrible condition, 
I mean, they've got miles that should not make them terrible. They just get beaten to death. I guess people who rent a car don't take care of it like they might their own. And so it's not at all unusual for a car rental to have 50,000 or more miles on it. So by the time they get to the used vehicle lot of the car rental agencies that many operate their own lots, those vehicles have lost a lot of their useful life before the odometer would say they should. And so today, I would say don't buy a vehicle that's been in a rental car fleet. It's just not a good bet for your teenager. So what do you do for your teenager? What do you do for his vehicle? It's hard right now. The used vehicles are so inflated and cost that it is a difficult thing to buy a used vehicle. And I would look for brands that have models that have been discontinued, concentrate on cars, not SUVs or pickup trucks. The car market is unloved right now, particularly if you find a model. A lot of the automakers have been eliminating a lot of their passenger vehicles because they're just not popular in the market right now. And you get one of those, what they call in the car business, an orphan model, you may get a better deal on it. But I, I can't lie to you, it's tough buying a used vehicle right now. And we've got an update from Corio in Ohio. I wrote in a few months ago about a medical bill in the aftermath of a hospital stay that I was having difficulty getting the provider to bill to the insurance. At your suggestion, I called my insurance provider and the state to get clarity on what I could do. Insurance did confirm that after six months, I could submit the claim on my own with a copy of the bill for payment, as one caller noted. The state was less helpful as I was passed around a handful of times and never received a response. Thankfully, I stumbled across an email address for an employee of the provider. After one email forward, I was in direct communication with the billing department who reviewed my situation. Within a few weeks, the bill had been received by my insurance provider and we are now settled on all of our medical debt from my hospital stay. Well, first of all, Corey, I hope that you're fully healthy again. And I love that you were proactive about this, that you took this on instead of just saying, ah, well, I'm not going to worry about that. And medical debt has a way of sneaking up on you. You knew it was out there and you did what you had to to get the system to do what it should have done in the first place. And it ended up keeping your credit reputation clear. You didn't have to get into a huge hassle later. And great, you pushed all the buttons. I'm disappointed to hear that the insurance department of the state of Ohio let you down. And I want to tell you, our job, just like you think about the variety of topics we talk about, the variety of questions you pose to me, Krista, from our listeners, whatever it is, cars, houses, cell phones, travel, we are here to help you navigate the issues that affect your wallet. That's the goal. And if there's something going on in your life, a problem, a question, a concern about your wallet, something going on with your wallet, somebody mistreating you, whatever, you don't know where to turn, what to do, give us a try. Because one of the things we do is we provide one-on-one free advice, something we've been doing in February, it'll be 30 years We've been providing free one-on-one advice, guidance, and information 
And we've been doing it 30 hours a week for 30 years. So you want to get advice? You contact the Team Clark Consumer Action Center. 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. The number, 636-49-CLARK. 